Hello and welcome to episode 66 of the Dennis Knows Food podcast. I'm your host, Luke Labrie, and in this episode, we're discussing the future of hospitality workforce development in Maine with Derek Fassett. Derek is the Director of Education and Workforce Development at Hospitality Maine. But before we dive into that, I was reading your LinkedIn profile, and, and personally, I want to say thank you for your service, but I saw that you shared a timeline. And it's a timeline, I've never seen one like this before in a profile, a timeline of how you got to where you are today. And I think it's a great piece to start off with in terms of you know letting our audience get to know who you are. Could you share a version of that with us? Absolutely. Uh, thank you for your appreciation, veterans out there everywhere, for their service as well. We come to the job market, and a lot of times people don't always get where we came from. So I decided to include this little informal timeline from my life that shows life before the military and life before that usual five to 10 year resume piece. Um, I started off in upstate New York, a nice rural community, very tourist related. If anybody knows Cooperstown, it's the home of the baseball hall of fame. So I went from sports to nautical, but here we are, uh, have a kind of a strange history with, with Maine and Booth Bay Harbor in particular in that, my family uh, kind of went their separate ways. And when my father remarried, they honeymooned in Booth Bay Harbor. And then when I went to college in Vermont, I ended up dating my college sweetheart who was from Booth Bay Harbor. We got married in Booth Bay Harbor. And then after my military life, when we decided which way to go, uh, my family suggested I might not want to return to New York. So we ended up here and are living on the Booth Bay Harbor Peninsula. So it's kind of a Strange full circle event. Did a couple stints in college and Arizona and Vermont, but northern New England has always been where my heart's been set. I feel you there for sure. I, I spent some time outside of the state, about five years, and I reached a point where there's a voice in my head that said, you need more dirt roads in your life. So you're right. And I, and I went back and I've been back ever since. Yes. To, uh, to digress briefly, um, you know, we were at the Hospitality Maine Summit together, and I am still amped up from the energy uh, of those two days. The, the members, the, the speakers, the energy was high, the optimism was there, the topics that were discussed were incredibly uh, optimistic. So when we look at like state park numbers, for example, um, setting records for attendance, I think that's the tip of the iceberg when we consider what 22 is going to bring us. And I think there's a lot to look forward to. And actually, that's a really great segue. If we're bringing more people in and we are a hospitality-driven state, how are we going to support the businesses that rely on hospitality workers? I saw shortages firsthand. And, and you know, we had a lot of people at Dennis help out um, in areas that that they tr didn't traditionally help out in to, to keep the ball moving down the field. Not every business has the, the employee base to be able to do things like that. Where are businesses going to be finding hospitality employees in the future? And how is hospitality Maine positioning uh, the state for success in the future? So this workforce development shortage and crisis is impacting every industry. And last year, Steve Hewen, uh, who recently retired, 
one of his last major missions was to put together the hospitality mains mission for the next several years as it relates to workforce. And that came together in a document called the Derigo Hospitality 2025, uh, which is a summary of seven workforce priorities that the association is going to take a stand on and work towards for its membership. Um, a lot of the stuff that you would expect to see in such a plan, priorities like working with primary and secondary education folks, higher education, job training, workforce, diversity and inclusion, uh, continuing education, research and development, and making sure that we at the association have a strong team to support all of that. So that plan is a fairly comprehensive document and it's very ambitious, which is hence why it's a multi-year plan. And it's my primary focus as the new developer Director of Education and Workforce Development to make that plan happen. Is that plan available publicly? Can people find it on the Hospitality Maine website if they're curious? Um, yes, and I always try to provide a link to it when I reference it in any of my newsletters for members. Excellent. So we're just getting in. We're only a few months in to a multi-year plan, and and you are spearheading this from the get-go. So can you share a little bit of insight about some of the early steps you took um, and, and your feelings about this? Because again, I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile, your background is, uh, and forgive me if I forget anything, in, in organization, in optimization, in, in taking what is there and making more better use of it. And I didn't use any of the words that are, you know, you would use on a, on a resume, but I think that's the gist of it. Am I, am I kind of close? Yes. Yep. Um, particularly with my military background, there's always the struggle of how do you do more with less? And in the military, that always comes down to training. And the military across the board, no matter what branch you look at, is one of the pinnacle organizations of how do you train people to standard and task. Um, obviously, they've got literally an army of folks to make that happen. Uh, we're a very small staff, so how do we help our membership, who also, in most cases, will have a, a stressed and overworked staff, manage doing more with less? Uh, to me, the philosophy still comes down to training, but the biggest piece of it is going to be developing and nurturing partnerships around the state with organizations can help support both us and our members. We have to make sure that the training has quality to it, and in order to do that, uh, there's a lot of vetted processes out there, such as the Maine Department of Labor's registered apprenticeship programs, which coincidentally, Hospitality Maine is already a sponsor of registered apprenticeships. So one of my first tasks is to make that a more robust program by offering additional levels to it, offering additional pathways to enter into those training programs, and working with other organizations for awareness. And particularly with our members to help ease the stress of implementing programs, because a lot of times you say Department of Labor and people get a little bit scary. You see the paperwork involved and it makes it even more scary. So our job is to help alleviate as much of that as possible for our members. So Hospitality Maine is engaged with their partners and members developing a plan that fits right for the state. But at the same time, to your point about the scary stuff and the lots of paperwork, you're coordinating with federal and other state initiatives that align with the objectives you're trying to push forward. And that's where, uh, for lack of a better term, Hospitality Maine helps grease the wheels? Yes, absolutely. So I've lived in government work for a while now, back from the military time, straight out of the gate. I went to work with the Department of Labor 
went up to central office, engaged directly in employment with the main apprenticeship program office. Uh, when I left there, I worked setting up veteran hiring initiatives up and down the Eastern Sea Coast. So government paperwork isn't necessarily as scary for me as it is for some people. And trying to make that work for the employer is something that I've got some experience in doing. Um, essentially, I'm trying to set up a, a five-stage process where we partner up with an agency such as adult education, such as Main Department of Corrections, such as the various youth organizations around the state, such as JMG and Junior Achievement, SkillBridge, LearningWorks, et cetera, um, to create a giant HR funnel across all these organizations that can help funnel people into the industry. And then once they're here, we can assess where they came from, what training they've already got, where it best suits them to plug into a program, and then they can continue on as an employee and learn more so that they can then grow in a career ladder, which creates that industry suction and pulls in the next entry level person. So in essence, you want to build funnels for different, because there's different categories of hospitality in the state and different needs for food service and different needs for culinary and labor and everything. You want to build the appropriate funnels that put the right people into these jobs with the right skill sets um, versus having these businesses that already need these employees on a regular basis kind of try to hunt them down. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. And in an ideal world, at some point, if there's anybody out there that we haven't engaged with, they'll see that this is a nice functional ecosystem and raise their hand and say, how can I get on board? And then we create more connections. But it's not necessarily what everybody would think, where it's just the hotels and restaurants. We have a number of allied members in our membership. About a third of, a third of our members are actually allied members that support the industry. Uh, just the other day, I helped a company find an accountant. Um, just so happened I had a connection there. We're not necessarily doing staffing work where we're looking for actual employees uh, rather than creating the system in which they'll organically come. But this worked out where now this allied member has a new head accountant. Those types of programs, jobs for main grads and, um, and training, vocational training programs, I, I want your opinion. I'm going to digress briefly. When I was in school, 16, 17 years old, I understood in, in a very basic sense that they were going to get some skills, welding. I, I, I regularly saw a kid who would go to the law enforcement training program. I never, under, I never understood what they were getting there, what path that was going to set them on until I was about 30-ish years old, 35 years old, and the reality of, of economics, you know, when I started having to hire people, when I started looking at resumes and uh, it started to click, okay, that is a funnel that makes sense for so many people, but it felt, and it feels like it's still a misunderstood or a mislabeled or an overlooked funnel. Can you, can you speak at all that? And I know it's a pretty broad question, but the point is, are, are we, at the same time that we're engaging businesses, are we engaging the potential future employees, the students or the young recent grads that are the perfect fit for these opportunities? Yep. I remember when I was in school too, there was those folks that left the traditional classroom environment and went off to a separate school that was affiliated with wherever our school was uh, to do different training. 
And unfortunately, there was a lot of times a stigma associated with that. Um, what those other kids were doing were going off and learning real world on the job training, coming out with definitive skills that are have been proven with the hands-on aspect that you're not necessarily getting in your traditional high school. Uh, so they were in some cases more ready for the workforce than, than we were. For example, you just mentioned that it wasn't until you were about 30 years old that you went back and go, ah, yeah. <laughs> that could have been useful. And so these technical education centers that are scattered around the state have students that are in there right now participating in hospitality programs, participating in culinary programs that are giving them real world knowledge that makes them in many cases, more prepared for the workforce than your standard high school student. So my goals with working with some of the umbrella organizations like JMG and Junior Achievement is that they've got presence in many, many, many high schools and CTEs already. Uh, so engaging with them provides access to their umbrella, but also directly engaging with those local schools that are interested. I just spent a couple visits following Chef Barrio, who works with the ProStart curriculum around the state, visiting some of the schools that, that he goes to and witnessing these classes firsthand. Just last week, I was with the uh, Augusta Capital Area Technical Center, um, and Chef Barrio had a very dedicated and hardworking class. Um, Heidi Parent is the culinary instructor over there, and she's kind of the reigning champion on the national, on the state level pro start competition. And she's ramping up to have another good competitive year with her team. Pro start, that's national level competition. That is the path to being the head chef at a Michelin restaurant. It is no joke. I've talked to these kids, I've judged one of the competitions. It is intense, it is the real deal. You watch MasterChef on TV. It is literally no different. That is the opportunity at stake here. That is the stigma, as you mentioned, that should be shifted. And that job that they acquired is not the end of their path. If it was me looking back, right, I'd say, let's take that year off after graduating high school or after getting that vocational degree and say, I'm going to put my skills to work, earn a little cash, and then make a decision about what the best path forward is for me. Because I've been given a leg up, because I now know what this real world industry entails. Huge, huge opportunities, I think, that affect um, the path and the decision for students, for young people. Um, and it creates a lot of opportunity um, for the state as a whole to grow, um, in my opinion, the entertainment, the eco uh, ecotourism section of the state. That is our, our biggest opportunity. Um, so anyway, I, I just uh, wanted to drop that nugget in there. Most people don't just start off as the business owner of a restaurant. They, at some point in their career, started at the bottom and worked their way up in a career pathway. And it's a career for them. If you've got the heart for the industry, and a love for the industry, you will make a career out of it. It's not going to just be that job where you're a line cook for 30 years making minimum wage. You're going to work your way up from that line cook position, maybe shuffle around the kitchen to different positions and end up as the head chef, the sous chef, the kitchen manager, moving on to the restaurant. Almost everybody who owns a restaurant probably worked in various positions within it. And it, and it starts 
starts young usually, and it starts at the bottom. Like most industries, you have to work your way up. The hospitality industry is fascinating to me because I have been in it long enough to see both sides of what you just mentioned. The 30-year veteran line cook and the person who started as the waiter moving all the way up to the district manager for three locations. And that that 30-year line cook veteran, I've seen that person go reluctantly accept a general manager job. And I had the conversation with them. Why were you so reluctant about that? That seems like a no-brainer. I'm happy. I make the amount of money I want to make. I have a great life. I go play outside. I go fish. I go do that. I'm beholden to nobody. Got a great job that I'm happy doing. I can do it better than most people. And and that was their story. And to me, great. There's I think there's so many people out there that just want to punch a clock and do something that they know they're good at and, and go live their lives. And then there's people, who, as you said, want to make a career out of it. And I know young people out there should be given the opportunity to test the water and make a decision before they commit themselves to, um, and I, I'm, I'm getting a little preachy, but before they commit themselves to a whole lot of debt, um, because somebody says, you have to go get this piece of paper before you can do anything in life. Um, that's not true. Nope. There's multiple pathways and a lot of it comes down to exposure as well. So what do you do? You train, you build your own, you find the person that you think is capable that might have a love for it. You do an assessment to see if they're a fit for your organization and then you train them and home grow them yourself. And how do you do that? Through a program. Uh, these programs, registered apprenticeships, utilize a on-the-job training model where you're earning while you're learning, which everybody loves to hear, earn while you learn. It means you can get the job without having to know everything. And on the employer side, they don't necessarily have to pay you as much because you don't know everything. They've got to pay you as much when you're fully trained, but there's a, a two-way door there that allows people to find the right fit. And so on the related instruction side, we're working closely with the Maine Community College System, with the private and state university systems to develop appropriate classroom training to support these pathways. Now, we talked at the, the summit, and you actually introduced me to some folks from the Maine Department of Corrections. Can you share a little bit about that opportunity as well? Because I, you know, we focus a little on ProStart and the opportunities there for hospitality management. And I think there's even opportunities as we get further and further into the technological world for there to be internships Definitely. for marketing or digital booking strategists. I mean, we've got some big hotels here in Maine that that to me is an opportunity as well. Why not grow some of our Maine kids into these digital positions that hospitality businesses need? To the Maine Department of Corrections, let's, let's, go, let's go that route. And I don't want to put a label on the program, but it's my assumption that that's going to be a, a strong feeder for highly qualified uh, hourly wage workers. Yes, absolutely. So to hit your one point, the larger the organization, the more diverse the jobs that they're going to have are. If you're a mom and pop shop that runs a diner in the, in the middle of nowhere, there may only be a handful of employees tops and you all kind of do everything. But if you're looking at one of our big hotel chains, they're going to have everything from IT security to your your standard front office jobs to the to the potential HVAC guy that does your maintenance. There is no real limit to the occupational programs that we can put together. 
And obviously the main apprenticeship program has a vast library of different occupations out there with ready-made stuff that we can draw from. But in terms of going back to the funnel and who we're engaging with, yes, the Department of Corrections is a very engaged, very large potential provider of a labor pool that's vastly underutilized. We have multiple events that we've put together. The next one's coming up on the 26th of January. That's a virtual event connecting five different facilities around the state that have their own training programs for their pre-release populations. And when I say pre-release populations, these are the cream of the crop guys. Any infraction jettisons them from the program. So you know you're looking at the group that is most convicted to getting out and reintegrating with society and reducing their recidivism as much as possible. These folks are in training in culinary line cook programs or industrial kitchen programs. So the training that they're getting is extremely relevant to coming out and engaging directly with your business in a, a way that's gonna be meaningful. And at these events, it's actually amazing how many employers are speaking about their business and they may have on-site housing available. They may have support systems available. I was just talking to one yesterday that's they've got on-site housing. They provide Wi-Fi. They're in an area that provides additional services. They're like a mile down the street from the local gym. It creates an atmosphere where these people can be successful. And then you've now accessed a labor pool that not many people are accessing. That pre-release population is probably highly motivated to, to succeed to show what they're capable of, to prove to themselves and to their to this employer, uh, I'm in it to win it, and I'm not going back. I'm on the straight and narrow. I'm, I'm. This is my new thing. Yes, and it all comes down to opportunity. If they aren't presented an opportunity, the risk is greater for them to have some sort of recidivism. But given an opportunity, they want to reintegrate and not go back. Um, and by being in those programs to begin with, they've been demonstrating to their instructors that they are definitely committed. So some of the other organizations and labor pools that people might not think of is Bureau of Rehab Services. So you take any group of people and you do a poll, there's going to be a certain percentage of that room that has a disability that would actually make them eligible to receive Bureau of Rehab Services support. They at any given time have thousands of people around the state that are receiving support and they're another population that's vastly underutilized. So we're doing a similar thing where we're getting our membership together with Bureau of Rehab Services and uh, the folks that won their, some of their case management services, uh, main medical to just get them together, start that conversation, find out how they can engage and potentially bring folks that are receiving those services and their, their supportive services. They really support their participants so that they can be successful. And with those programs, are you, are those underway right now? Are you, you mentioned having conversations, but um, are there actionable things that are, that are the gears are turning? So the next three events that we have scheduled we have the Department of Corrections on the 26th of January. We've got the Bureau of Rehabilitation Services with Maine Medical, which will be on the 2nd of February. And then we've got Learning Works, another 
youth organization that will be talking about how people can engage with their students coming up on the 16th of February. Anybody's welcome to contact me directly at Derek at hospitalitymain.com. And obviously there's, you can call in on our main line here at the association, which is 623-2178. Um, and almost all of us can answer most questions, but if it's gonna be specifically workforce, they'll probably direct you to me. Awesome, awesome. And, and question, and uh, it probably puts you in a pickle, but what are you most excited, folks? You're, you're new, this is your, uh, and we're excited to have you here. Um, new to this workforce development position, what are you most excited about tackling? Now we know we talked about the opportunities, and I, you can't you can't take the easy road out and rehash something. What are you most excited about tackling um, in the workforce development this year? Well, we have talked about a lot, and not to pick a specific thing that I want to be successful, but kind of an overarching goal of mine. I've always found that it's easy to set this kind of stuff up. The difficulty is in maintaining it and creating that ecosystem that thrives and continues on beyond that initial boost or push. So for me, the most exciting thing that I'd like to see happen is to, for this stuff to kind of organically build a critical mass or its momentum of its own where it's not just the association kind of trying to pound that home and keep it going, but it to become a mutual effort where, oh, hey, we haven't done one of these in a while. Let's do it. And it's not me going, hey, you haven't done one of those in a while. We should get another one on the books or the tracking of it becoming something where I'm not always fishing for, for so have, did you get any placements out of that last event that we did? But people screaming at the top of their lungs on the big hill somewhere saying, hey, we just got three hires out of this event. It was amazing. Let's do it again. Um, to me, that's what I'd like to see. That's my biggest goal. And the thing that I would be most excited to see happen is for this to create a life of its own, where even if something happened to me and I left, it would just keep going. Well, Derek, I am going to do my best to help in that regard by pushing this episode out, uh, getting the word out on social um, and making sure we link over to the site and everything. And I think we should revisit this in four to six months. And hopefully you're able to share some of those needles that moved and some of those success cases. Um, because I, I think there are people in other states and in other regions um, that are facing very similar challenges uh, that might get some uh, light bulbs going off uh, from what you guys are doing over at Hospitality Maine. So good for the state, but I think it's good for the hospitality industry at large as well. Derek, thank you very much again for your time and for your service. Uh, great talking with you today. Thanks for having us. It's always a pleasure to speak and try to get the, the word out about what we're working on over here and how we're trying to help our members. Um, if anybody's interested, here's my time to do a plug. If anybody's interested in trying to become a member, feel free to reach out. I can connect you with our membership director and she can talk you through all the benefits associated with the association besides what I do. Perfect. I'm glad you made that plug. That's important. And it's not just uh, a membership to belong to. It is a network to be part of. It is a network that, as you mentioned, hey, do you need an accountant? Hey, do you know so-and-so that can help me do this? I'm thinking about switching POS systems. Um, I did the phone ban with Greg Dougal. And I know you guys are in the state level looking at, you know, uh, governmental changes and things that affect the industry. So 
if you want your ear to the ground, um, if you want to be in the know, and if you want to have access to resources um, that your competitors might not, if they're not a member, definitely consider becoming a, a member of Hospitality Maine. Great group. Thank you. Uh, Derek, fantastic. Thank you very much. And uh, hey, enjoy your weekend, and I hope you get a hike in the snow in. Well, that's going to do it for us and episode 66 of the Dennis Knows Food podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Labrie, and I would like to thank my guest, Derek Fassett, for joining me today. If you'd like to learn more about the Hospitality Maine Workforce Development Program, you can visit their website at www.hospitalitymaine.com. And for the latest food service products, advice, news, and more, be sure to visit our website at www.dennisexpress.com, where we're putting the foodie back in food service.